Louie, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rose? Where we're going, we don't need Rose. No. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello and welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And today we have a top five list for you that is uh, full of lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. oh my. Or at least some of those animals. I don't know about your list. I don't know how, how many of those I fit in there, but <laughs> maybe a couple. Yeah, yes, this mini episode we're doing our top five animal performances in films. Uh, this involves animals that were real at the time of filming. Yeah, this was a long, long, long list if you take into account animated animals and CGI animals and all of that stuff. Uh, in this case, we are talking about real animals that have appeared in movies and gave great animal performances. Yes, and just before we go any further, I'd just like to stress that no animals were harmed during the recording of this episode. No, just some animal puns were slaughtered. But... Yeah, humor has been destroyed. Yes, 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 it has. But you'll have to get to the uh, the outtakes to, to find out. Just yeah, you'll, you'll hear some of that later. Uh, it was it was pretty brutal. Yeah. But moving on, yes. So top five uh, animal performances, pretty simple. Let's jump into it then. Phil, do you want to kick us off with your number five? Yeah, my number five, you referenced the film in your opening, but it's Toto from The Wizard of Oz. Oh, very good. Uh, because he was a big player, but the dog itself was uh, called Terry. Uh, she was a female Cairn Terrier, and she was in 16 different movies. She lived for 11 years, and she got, make, while making the film, The Wizard of Oz, she got paid $125 per week which the equivalent in today's money is $2,200. And she was earning more than many of the actors, the human actors in the film. <laughs> which is pretty crazy. Yeah. But I mean, I think when you think of like animals in film, Toto is sort of like the icon, you yeah. know, the one that you can almost think of first just because everyone, you know, knows that Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. And Wizard of Oz, of course, is one of the most famous and popular and successful films of all time. So, And, and Toto is in most of the uh, the scenes in the film as well. Right, exactly. Excellent choice. Thank you very much. All right. Well, my number five is the horse from the Black Stallion, uh, which they called him Black in the movie. He was played by a couple of different uh, Arabian horses, but uh, they they it's you know this is a movie I talked about not that long ago in one of our uh, movies we missed episodes from the seventies and how much I I really enjoyed watching this movie recently. And I'm not a big like I'm not a lot of guy people are like oh horses are so beautiful they're so majestic I don't I don't get that about horses they're not a thing for me like you know I just I see them and I'm like that's just a, a big animal and yeah. I don't know I just don't get that magic of horses a lot of people do but this horse was really I mean it's a great film and the horse is this big just jet black animal it's, it is very powerful looking and then it's got the I like the fact that it's it's very playful in the scenes on the beach and yet on the racehorse scenes it's very powerful like i feel like it's an animal with some character uh that's what i look for so that's my number five excellent choice okay my number four is the is the monkey from raiders of the lost ark oh good one i didn't think about that yeah one. it's only enough it's not in that many scenes but it's uh, it's quite important in what goes down in the film right uh, it was uh played by a capuchin monkey they took two monkeys over to tunisia called snuff and puff puff though was unable to perform had apparently had a nervous breakdown oh my i don't know how you tell that but uh snuff you know pushed through and uh, some of the sounds that you hear of the monkey were actually done by Frank Welker. Oh, right, right. Yeah, so he did Scooby-Doo yeah. and... Uh, did he do... Skeletor. Skeletor did all... Did all he's done, you know his voice, but he was involved in that. And also, to make the snuff do the Nazi salute, 
they had to hang a grape from a fishing pole just out of reach, and that took 50 takes to get the exact salute that they wanted. Wow. That must have been a day at work, mustn't it? Coming back, telling your loved one, saying, <laughs> what did you do today on the, the set of Raiders of Lost Ark? Well, <laughs> you know, Stephen had me holding up a pole with a grape on the end so we could get a monkey to do a Nazi salute. <laughs> right, for yeah. 17 hours straight. Yeah, 50 takes it took. <laughs> that got wow. that goddamn monkey. <laughs> But uh, thank you, Snuff. Thank you, Snuff, for your performance. Just so you know, I, I did a little Google search, and it, it says here the way you, ways you can tell a monkey has had a nervous breakdown uh, include if the monkey eats your face. Holy um, crap! Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Is that the only way? <laughs> That's the key indicator I've I've learned. Yeah. That's usually how you know. Imagine you take <laughs> the monkey to the vet and say, uh, the vet goes, "I think it might be having a nervous breakdown. I'm just going to put it in this room with a small child, and then we'll know for definite." <laughs> Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was my number four. Good choice. Good choice. I like it. I, like I said, I didn't think about that one. Uh, I'm not a big fan of monkeys either. Apparently, I hate animals. But, uh, <laughs> well, this list really. is going to be lousy enough for you. Yeah. No, I, I just don't <laughs> love monkeys. No, no monkeys made it onto my list. I will say that. Yeah. But, uh, but that is a good choice. Cool. All right. Well, my number four is a tie between two very famous dogs. They are Buddy from Air Bud and Beethoven from the Beethoven movies, or at least the first one. Yeah. And Beethoven was played by a dog named Chris, a big St. Bernard. And of course, Buddy was a golden retriever. And, um, you know, these are two dogs that just they, they were in almost every scene of their movies. They had to do things beyond just be dogs laying around, you know. Yeah. Uh, Beethoven was destroying things and running and doing all these things. And then Airbud actually had to, you know, like play sports. I mean, that's not easy to do. Obviously, it wasn't really playing them, but just the amount of shots they had to use where they had to sort of creatively make it look like he was doing things that dogs wouldn't normally do. Yeah. Obviously, there were some special effects enhancement and stuff, but the fact is the dog, you know, ran around with the ball a lot and did all kinds of jumping and running and stuff. And, you know, I think that those are pretty impressive uh, performances for in terms of dog training and just dogs with some real personality. Uh, excellent choice. Lots of, lots of dogs in films. Is, uh, probably yeah, probably because yeah. one, one of the easiest ones to train, I suppose. I would imagine yeah. so. Okay, my number three is uh, it's from the film The Witch, uh, directed by Robert Eggers, and it's Black Phillip. Uh, Black Phillip is in many of the scenes, and he's a major player in the film. Robert Eggers said, uh, a trainer showed us some pictures, and we chose the goat who looked the Black Phillipiest. <laughs> so there you go. But uh, the trainer, Anna Kilch, she said uh, the goat, he had the biggest horns, and she said the goats just don't grow bigger horns than that. And if you've seen the film, you know, he does, he's the personification of what you imagine a big black goat involved in witchcraft would be. <laughs> right. Perfect. Robert Eggers also said it was a bit of hard to work with because whenever they needed the goat to do certain things, he'd usually do the opposite. For example, if he had to be violent, he wanted to go to sleep. Uh. Uh, so uh, the director credits the film's editor with piecing together the usable footage they had. He also, Charlie, oh yeah, sorry, the name of the goat was called Charlie. And he had a run-in with uh, the actor Ralph Innocent. Apparently they were meant to wrestle at some point and uh, they didn't get on. And there was murder. Well, there wasn't murder, but there was injuries and things like that. But uh, that's my number three. Charlie the Goat, who plays Black Phillip in The Witch. A great choice. I did not include that one. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of that movie. But if I had known about all these behind-the-scenes stories that you found, I probably would have. because that is. Oh, yeah. It sounds, it sounds like a right character. Yeah. All right. Well, my number three is uh, a very famous animal performer, Bart the Bear, one of the most famous animal performers of all time. He is uh, a big, I think a grizzly bear, uh, maybe a brown bear. I don't know. He's a big bear. And he has been in a bunch of movies. But the one I picked him specifically in was The Edge, which is a terrific movie starring 
starring Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin. Oh, yeah, yeah. About two men uh, who crash uh, in the Alaskan wilderness, and they keep coming across this bear. And the reason I picked him for this is not only is Bart the Bear kind of a, a big movie star in the animal world, but by all accounts, he's a pretty tame bear. And in this film, he had to act like a wild, rampaging bear that they had to fight and try and survive against. And he does a very convincing job. I mean, I, I recognize that bears are wild animals, so I'm sure that some of that is just natural naturally inherent in him as being a bear but uh he's scary in this movie you know and so um and i really like the film so bart the bear he's one of the big ones he's you know he's one of the pioneers of the animal acting industry so that's my number three an excellent choice i like that uh okay my number two is uh from the movie alien it's jonesy the cat ah very good yeah because it's uh we know that's the ginger tomcat jonesy's throughout the film even though he's not in every scene you just you know he's he's there he's uh He's it's it's good some good great reaction scenes. One of the ones where it sees the alien, you see the cat reacting scared to it. Basically, they had a German Shepherd, an Alsatian dog, on set behind a screen, and the cat walked over, and then they were filming the cat, and then they lifted the screens. So obviously, the the cat saw this great big dog and went, <coughs> and that's how they got that. But uh, yeah, it's it's Ripley and Jonesy are the last with the last survivors of the Nostromo, and after the events of Alien Three, I don't think you quite find out what happened to him, but uh, he could actually be. The final survivor of the Nostromo. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, and looking at it in, within the film as well, uh, because he was in cryostasis for such a long time, he's the cat with the long, probably the cat with the longest lifespan in the history of film. That's right. So he's about sixty years old when Ripley left him. Yeah, good point. Good point. Very good choice. I did not think of that one. I have to admit. Oh, well, there you go. That's Jonesy, my number two. I like it. Well, my number two has already appeared on your list. It is Toto. From the Wizard of Oz, and I think you pretty much summed up everything there is to say. Like I said, one of the dogs you think of the most, not necessarily the best animal performance because he kind of just trots along or gets carried in a basket a lot, but yeah. really just sort of one of the most famous animal characters in history. So how do you leave him off this list? You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. He's, he's got to be on, even though I'm not that big a fan of the film. He's still, you know, he's a big, big part of it. Yeah, yeah. He's a big part of pop culture. Right, exactly, exactly. Any animal who has a phrase that includes their name as part of the, you know, pop culture lexicon of movie quotes, I, you know, Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. I mean, you've got to got to give them some mad props. Oh, totally. Okay, my number one is... It's the dog from The Thing. Uh-huh, yeah. Very cool. From the opening, it's a big... Uh, apparently, the dog in question was an Alaskan Malamute called Jed, which is half wolf. Uh, and apparently on set, Jed, he he, uh, he didn't growl or bark. And Richard Massor, who played the station dog handler, you know, the creepy dog handler, he was saying that Jed would just give you this, he'd be walking along and suddenly stop and give you this look. And remember, if you remember the film, he's often just walking down and he suddenly just stops and looks over towards the camera or just off camera. Yes. Doesn't make any other emotion. That was just the way he was. Um, but he said, Richard Massor was saying, Jed would just give that look and... He'd grow uncomfortable on set seeing the dog acting like that, and uh, they call it the, the thing look. Mm. So it's it's crazy just padding down empty hallways, opening doors, and things like that. But they just said it was just. I think uh, John Carpenter mentions it on the uh, on the commentary as well, saying how well the dog performed. It was just it, it was just natural. They couldn't have got it any better. He'd walk down and they'd make like a, his handler would do a little noise, and he'd just stop and turn or do a little walk off but uh that's my number one because it's once you see it walking around it is a real dog but you, you do go 
they sung a bit odd about that. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. A lot of that's actually in the performance, which is crazy, but that's uh, that's my number one. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that about that, but you're right. When I think about it, as you're talking about it, I'm picturing the dog walking through. It is a very big part of that film, especially the early part of the film, the first half, yeah. where it is just kind of wandering by itself and looking in a very kind of human way. You know, it's very uh, very unnatural. Yeah, it's very, it's very not like a dog, the way it reacts. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Very good choice. I did, another one I did not think of or probably would have made my list. Well, that's cool. But what's your number one, though? Bring it home. Well, I went in a completely different direction, whereas you went for something you know very intense and, and dark. I went for cute and cuddly. It is Uggy, the dog from The Artist. Oh, yeah. yeah. The silent film that won the Best Picture Oscar a few years back, a movie I really enjoy. And I, I love Uggy in this movie because he is super cute, but like he's just got so much character. It's this little terrier-looking dog, and he kind of mirrors what the main character is going through. And he has like the most expressive face. And so when I was kind of looking at this list as animal performances just versus animals that I like, kind of like your, you know, your pick for number one, how that dog really had this atmospheric thing to it. You know, for, for me, Uggy had just this really incredibly expressive face. And when, when you know, Jean Dujardin looks sad, Uggy looks sad. When he looks happy, Uggy looks a- happy, you know, which I thought was really interesting. And then, of course, just how well trained he was. And, you know, that was my number one, just because I thought it was really a, a, an expressive performance as much as an animal can give. And I think there's something to be said for that. That's an excellent choice. I hadn't even thought of that myself. But yeah, you're right. It was a great performance. Yeah. From an animal. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's an excellent choice. So there you go. So see, even, even animals can be good and bad actors. Yeah. Uh, but never work with children or animals. That's that's what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. So that's our top five animal performances in movies. Uh, pretty good list. I think we both kind of went in some different directions. Yeah. Nice mix of films. Yeah. So that was fun to do. I always enjoy a good animal performance. Yeah. And it's uh, it's always good doing these kind of lists because it's, it's usually it's not something you particularly think of. Right. While you're watching these films, you just go, oh, if they do a good job, then it's just the film flows. If you do a bad job, you just go, oh, that was crap. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's not. It's nice actually thinking about these things and. I'm working out which are your favorites. Yeah, it definitely gives you a new appreciation for some of the films and 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 what was involved in making them too. Yeah, you know? yeah, because you mean the on the the animal on the day filming it and then the editing afterwards and all that kind of stuff. It does. It's amazing how all these things and all these people and animals come together to make make art. Well said. Well said. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for this week. Uh, next week we'll have more fun movie related content for you. But until that time, we thank you greatly for listening. I'm Mike Spring and I'm Phil Edwards, and we'll see you next week after the. Blasphemers, Indian lovers. <laughs> Sorry, that was a, from a. It's like an old running joke I have with a friend of mine from those like this this like one of those films you watch in like high school history class. You know, it was like talking about like I don't know the Pilgrims or something, and there was like this crowd scene, and they were like somebody was yelling at you know this crowd yelling at somebody going blasphemers, Indian lovers. <laughs> and it was just like. Like what is that? <laughs> is that a thing? Bad? bad? I don't. I don't know. I just... <laughs> Hello and welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. Were you trying to decide if you should say on and I'm Phil Edwards? <laughs> on Phil Edwards. <laughs> oh, I'm not Mike Spring on Phil Edwards. That would <laughs> okay. be a very different. That's different podcast. That's after the ending. After hours. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> It's like that Baywatch Nights crap. Yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> they're, ba- they're lifeguards, but also detectives. Right. They solve supernatural mysteries. Yeah. Just it makes perfect sense. Phil and Mike are podcasters by day, but by night they track vampires and werewolves and things that go bump in the night. And it can get crazy. <laughs>
this is just me, or do you kind of want to make that podcast? Yeah, that now? sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, I'm kind of sitting there going, as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, man, that actually sounds like fun. Hey, Mike, that last episode we recorded for After the Ending was amazing, but I hear there's a vampire in town. Don't be ridiculous, Phil. There's no such thing as vampires. I wish that were true, Mike. I wish that were true. Why don't you have a reflection, Phil? <laughs> 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 yeah, we've got to make sure we record everything with these audio recorders we happen to have with us. The, the, the podcast equivalent of a found footage movie. Like, yeah. Why are you still recording? Uh, I'm just going to walk down this wooden path. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you got filled. <laughs> And today we're going to bring you a top five episode. I don't know about you, Phil, but I found it a little rough to put together. <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, I think you're barking up the wrong tree with that one, Mike. <laughs> oh. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Meow, listen. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, go on. And today we have a top five list that is terrific. No, that's even worse. <laughs> oh, my God. You thought that was better? <laughs> In my head, in your head before you I said it out, out loud, yeah. it, it sounded great. And I said it out loud. I was oh. like, that just sounds ridiculous. That that was me awesome. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Woo. All right. Uh, no, Mike, I couldn't give a fox. <laughs> okay, can't top that. I'm stopping now. Uh, oh, well, Mike, Mike, this is awkward. Oh, oh, you're killing me now, Phil. Well, well, well. Look, you know, we've just got to get on with it. <laughs> okay. Come on, Mike. With all, all these animal puns, you're giraffing me crazy. Oh, Whoa. God. So somebody did a Google search. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't do it on poor though. <laughs> <laughs> oh.